hey welcome to the show and i really really appreciate you coming back on and giving us another chance to do this so this is really great for sure happy um, to be here so for people who don't know who you are vanishingly few how dare they yeah right these are <laughs> surprisingly few please just kind of give us a quick eli five into who you are and what you're doing in the space for sure um so I, my, I go by the artist named Fuel Pleaser, and I am a professional ship poster on Twitter. Just kidding. <laughs> but I, I make art of sorts, and um, hopefully it speaks to people. Before I started doing crypto stuff, I was working in uh, film and visual effects. And um, yeah, last summer, basically, I was jobless and decided to dive into crypto out of needing money and seeing an opportunity for market fit for somebody with my skills because I didn't see other people like that in crypto and then my life exploded <laughs> yes it certainly has just a quick background so I spoke to you in it must have been June or maybe even May yeah yeah I think so it was um, May and it was May mm -hmm. I mean you were blowing up then at the time and I was super stoked to do the interview and in the last five months it's gone like parabolic blowing up <laughs> so i'm super impressed with all of your progress like it's really really great thank you um you said art of sorts right what do you mean by art of sorts why aren't you classifying what you're doing as real art oh um i i mean i i think it's real art so why are you saying art of sorts oh i guess it's because of maybe it doesn't classify as just one specific type of art okay. you know because like i don't just do like stills or you know sometimes it's like videos mm. and you know, I have like different styles as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's just um, art of sorts. <laughs> art of sorts, cool. So you come from a digital art background, right? Mm -hmm. You yeah. were at Blizzard, weren't you? Uh, before I started in crypto, I was at Blizzard, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, so Blizzard is a big name for most people in the kind of techie gaming space, obviously, for all the great stuff they've done. Um, actually come into some controversy in the recent months, haven't yeah. they? Which is, is that something you experienced yourself when you were working at Blizzard? Um, honestly, no. Yeah. I mean, I also wasn't there for a super long time, mm -hmm. but um, at least, you know, all of the men that I have, like, worked with and encountered there were extremely nice. But I will say that, you know, when I was there in my department, at least, there was literally no other female staff member. Like, there was one other contractor, like myself, who would, like, come back every, like, once every like six months or something even though she's been doing that for like because usually if a guy does that like probably the second or third time he comes back they make him staff right. but they just have never ever ever in the history of their department or that department ever had a female staff member which is i bet they wish they staffed you insane like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually it's really funny because um you know obviously ever since i started doing the nft stuff and uh, now like there's like um some director or like a direct one of the directors over at blizzard um who started following my instagram account and then also um they're like the art director of overwatch um he recently he previously overwatch. like yeah um wow. he previously game, honestly he's very talented that he's like a pixel artist but he did like this really cool pixel art and then he dropped a piece on foundation and then asked if i could like help him like promote it and like but it's just like I don't think that they know that I used to be just like a lowly lighter at Blizzard. Like, might be like rumors in the in the in the coffee shop, you know, like people talking about. Oh, do you remember that girl Emily? Who sorry, that girl no, they just Blizzard, who was there? <laughs> no, they just like completely like. Yeah, I don't think they know. Okay. Like, well, obviously because you know when I was at Blizzard, it was just like one employee one out of like of the many. Fifth, yeah. 
50,000, obviously. So it's like, why would they know who I am? Yeah. But it's just funny. Anyway. I mean, like, one of the things I love about your story in particular, and it is actually a recurring story across crypto for many people, mm-hmm. is the kind of personal journey that you go on when you enter into the space and you start to produce things from yourself, right? Mm-hmm. One thing that I'm really uh, excited about is the self-empowerment that crypto can bring to people, mm-hmm. right? So when you kind of started this journey, were you going into it with the idea that you wanted it to become, you know, what you're, you know, who you are, what you're going to be doing, or was it just like a bit of fun? Um, honestly, in the beginning, it was just a means to make money and mm-hmm. also a little bit of fun. Um, I, I did obviously immediately realize that, oh, these people are quite lenient with creative direction. Like they gave me a lot of freedom. And so, you know, that obviously made it more fun to do, but also I genuinely in the beginning thought that it was just going to be a temporary thing until I found a real job again. I mean, it's not right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. Yeah. This is like, this is like sort of reminiscent to my personal story. Like I came into it and started to explore what was possible from my end. And you feel like you're getting more rewarded for your own personal initiative and your own kind of personal ideas, more so in crypto than maybe in a corporate setting, right? Yep. Where you have to follow the directives given to you, mm-hmm. tick the boxes, and most of the gains from what you put in actually just accrues yep. upwards to to the corporation. Um, so what's the kind of a biggest difference that you've, a few big differences that you've noticed from working in a corporate space for digital art and working in the crypto space as an independent? Um, I mean, I think it's pretty much what you said. You know, I think previously I was always just sort of trading in my skill set with uh, minimal creative input um, to execute somebody else's creative direction and then um, make money for a corporate entity, you know. So it might be the supervisor's creative direction, but even the supervisor's not getting all of the, I guess, money or, you know, whatever, right? So, um, yeah, it's totally different. And um, I I think, yeah, like you said, it it expands to beyond just, like, let's say, artistic creators, but also, you know, developers, um, any kind of, like, builder, entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. or just everybody in the crypto space, I think, right now is finding. It's also because it's so new, right? We're literally discovering new career paths or projects or ways to do things as we are, I'm diving into the space. Yeah, so. it's like things that their roles that don't exist now mm-hmm. are beginning to exist, and you're thinking, "Holy crap, I might be, I might be good for that role, or maybe I'll make my own role." And then someone else will say, "Hey, we need that person on our role." Sure, you know, it's really awesome. Uh, is there anything you miss about the corporate world? Definitely, I think, um, you know, when I had a, a real job, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, I, I separated it or compartmentalized a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I get off work, I don't think about work anymore. But now it's just like it's been so long since I've got home and not thought about work. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm oh just constantly thinking about work. Yeah. Um, it does literally consume your life. So I think it also takes a certain type of like workaholic psychopath to basically <laughs> do what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, potentially. I mean, I I do think so. Like you say, it's so new, right? It's an early process trying to bring people into the sort of independent work style. But also learning how to be an independent worker mm-hmm. is something that I think we're all learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of talks that we've had at the DAO events at this, you know, at Lisbon, uh, have been about how you control yourself and your time in mm-hmm. order to be as efficient, you know, put, do as best output as you can. Yeah, um, is that something you kind of 
have a system for you meditate in the morning or yoga or this kind of thing oh man i am not the right like (laughs) role model for this i am honestly one of the most disorganized people on earth and it doesn't help that i uh just as a joke branded myself as a one woman studio you know when i started my twitter account but now i'm obviously seeing like the struggles of that especially with like responding to messages dms emails is just you know, sometimes I'll literally be like, I'll type out an email and then just forget forget to hit send. Or, you know, I might reply to someone and then forget that I even replied to them. Like, it's just honestly a dumpster fire. Um, and <laughs> just like talking about like myself. You know what I mean? like, literally, <laughs> literally, it's so funny. So yeah, I obviously apologize to everybody and anybody <laughs> who I've ever not responded to. It's probably because you're a bad person. You should feel bad for, about yourself. But <laughs> I mean, you've got so much going on at the moment. I don't think anyone can uh, begrudge you from missing an email. Uh, I mean, I do it and I haven't got that much going on. So <laughs> I can't imagine yourself. Uh, let's talk about that, right? So you've got a lot of stuff going on uh, in terms of like your digital art, putting it out there, getting some great feedback. Some really interesting things you've done recently. I would say the two notable ones is the Fortune magazine cover and your collaboration with Steve Aoki. So do you want to talk maybe about the Fortune magazine cover? Sure. Um, I mean, the Fortune story started when, I think it was a long time ago, actually, like months ago, months and months ago. Um, Alex Mazmej, um, the founder of Showtime, he reached out to me and then he was like, hey, um, the people over at Fortune want to talk to you. Can I connect you guys or whatever? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, And then so that happened but then um nothing really like came out of it and then so I I actually kind of just forgot about it um until actually a few like maybe it was like a couple months later um just randomly one day their creative director um emailed me um and you got this one huh you replied to this one (laughs) well no that the last one I replied to as well but it was just like they asked for my email and then nothing like happened after and I was like cool and then, so then their creative director emailed me like, you know, two months later. And then he was like, um, how do you feel about doing the cover for our next issue? Because it's going to be about like cryptocurrency and DeFi. Yeah, and then I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's literally how it started in the beginning. Um, you know, I kind of just thought that, oh, it would just be like a piece of my art that's just on the cover. Um, but then, you know, as like, sort of the the creative process kicked off you know I was thinking about how I can make that piece of art more sort of like related to the issue itself which is about like crypto and DeFi um I mean versus Wall Street was the title right that actually that had not been come up with um at the time that we were talking so that was an ongoing thing and then so uh yeah i mean we we obviously it was a collaborative process we were discussing you know sort of like themes and stuff that we wanted to like represent on the cover um and so yeah i think you know it was kind of like one was influencing the other like as i was developing my art they would like you know sort of like get more ideas about like what their tagline is and stuff like literally the tagline had not been decided until i think probably like a few days before submission um it's one of those taglines that maybe it's good that it was decided last minute because it's one of those crypto versus wall street is quite emotive right so yeah it's push that through without getting too many <laughs> without yeah. too many eyes on it right? i know it was actually really funny because i was talking with the creative director and then he was just saying like with this specific issue like you know th- there were just so many things that they kind of like 
got away with, including, I don't know, like my art, right? Like my art is yeah, just- Yeah, I want to talk about that for yeah, sure. It's like not like, you know, quote unquote professional, you know, like there's so many things that are like- I mean, you're clearly a professional, so it is. it's just the I'm changing paradigm, right? super professional. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were so many things about this entire process that everybody like me, including me and the creative director, Peter Herbert, we were just like, I can't believe we're getting away with this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so that was really cool. And I think that's why- this cover like what it made it so special as well is like what what you're it's a statement right yeah the, the tagline is decided afterwards but this, the actual creative process is what is what that statement is it's sure you know a big middle finger up to the traditionalism of yeah i mean to like really their fortune 500 and it's, it's yeah, really high, hilarious 500. and ironic because that was the issue that does the global 500 like every year there's only one issue that lists the global 500 and that, and that, that was the issue so <laughs> it's awesome. just so funny um but yeah i mean like you know the strategy behind it was like then i sort of like just started thinking well oh if we um sort of involve influencers somehow or like famous people um you know that was just like to sort of like evoke engagement i guess um i don't know like around that time there were a lot of these like maybe random crypto projects that were like here's like a PFP project, but it's all like PFPs of like famous VCs. And then, you know, like the VCs would like see it, get excited and like retweet it or something. I'm like, oh, that's probably a good strategy. And then so then we talked about, but then they were like, oh, you know, we put Elon Musk on one of our earlier um, like covers. And then there was like some legal it, stuff like revolving around that or something. I don't know. And then so, so then we were like, all right, well, what, why not do like not Anonymous real people? Characters. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was also um partially a latent Cusack's idea as well, which uh as in because we were just chatting like one time you know off the record and then he was like so cool he went home and he was like I was thinking about your thing and I was like I think going like doing anonymous Twitter avatars is the move and mm -hmm. I was like dude you're literally a genius, and yeah so um obviously you know. I'm biased and, you know, like, don't give me all this power because I will just actually just put a lot of my friends on the cover. <laughs> and so a lot of people on so the cover. So that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. So a lot of people on the cover are actually just my friends. You know, yeah. some some people who could be, like, very famous um, influencers were like, oh, well, why wasn't I on the cover? I'm like, well. You're not you, my friend, right? <laughs> you never talk to me. You don't even follow me. So, like, why would I put you on the cover? Yeah, you know, cool. it's not like a. It's not like a in spite thing. It's just like I only have so much real estate space on the cover. I mean, you know? this is it. Like, this is the personal empowerment, right? You are the person who got the opportunity. So yeah. you are the person who can make the decision. For and, sure. You so, know. you know, if, you've, if you're somebody who's like shown me kindness in the past and um, or even just shown the community kindness and stuff, like I'm more than happy to. Yeah. Um, this is this is something that, you know, don't take this the wrong way. It excites me and it kind of scares me how much individual power people are, are kind of having in this respect yeah. because of the crypto bull run in particular, but also just the, you know, the amount of innovation and excitement around it. There's a lot of power being shifted, which mm -hmm. is the whole point. This sure. is why we're all here. Yeah. Um, it's just a very interesting thing to see how that progresses in the hands of the new. Sure. I mean, right. this is in the entire process in general. I was just constantly, I mean, literally, yeah, a year ago, I was actually just jobless sitting in my apartment. Um, wondering you know how i can like make some income or what company is ever going to hire me again and then uh le like a year later people at fortune are just like 
you can do whatever you want and i'm like okay well i want to name these nfts chad and then they're like what's chad and i, and I have to explain to them oh you know it means this and it's just and then they ask again so what is chad <laughs> you <laughs> Sorry, explain so it and they still it? don't know <laughs> no they actually got it and then they started using it after it's really endearing and hilarious and so then nice. so yeah no they're, they're like a really awesome team and then so um yeah it's just i feel like i got away with so much this this kind of stuff just never happens in the previous like serious a corporate world but i guess everybody's after that sweet sweet crypto money that's what it is <laughs> it's like it's nice to see how much they're going to bend the knee to us in order to get <laughs> to gain part of that crypto money mm-hmm. right? yeah yeah um i think that uh <laughs> i think that it's 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 certainly going to be an interesting thing like the crypto the, the ct the crypto twitter influencers is it's very esoteric right it's very much like a you know about it or it doesn't make any sense to you really mm-hmm. um so maybe some of the listeners might not be so familiar with ct crypto twitter but it, i've heard it likened to twitter's version uh, sorry crypto's version of linkedin mm-hmm. right yeah you know all of the stuff you need to know to pursue and be good in the crypto scene actually happens on the feed in twitter at the moment mm-hmm. yeah i agree like you know you said you're doing this cover on the fortune 500 cover mm-hmm. some of these guys who are included in it might actually be potentially nearing that sort of level of of wealth in its current stage you know, of the bull run for sure um have you heard of the story animal farm uh yeah of course yeah, it all well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah so for the first time ever i heard it i heard someone describe this to me three days ago they said i don't know much about crypto but someone described it to me as animal farm <laughs> and i sat and thought about it and i thought well, wait actually <laughs> you know <laughs> actually you know there's there's that sort of level to it um and I, one thing that I'm kind of really interested in is giving people who are becoming wealthy or powerful in this new paradigm sort of an outlet to spend that, you know, to spend that wealth to d- redistribute some of your gains into a worthy cause. Is mm-hmm. that something that you have come across much of? Like, do you know of many outlets, crypto native outlets in particular, for people who are kind of gaining this sort of level of wealth and power? Um, I mean, of course. Um... But, yeah, I don't know that I see that many. I mean, okay, but at the end of the day, you know, I think it's like we're all sort of saving up for a rainy day or I don't know, like, I think I'm bearish on humanity as a whole. Mm, Yeah. Um, Yeah, and this is not a criticism towards, like, crypto Twitter or just, I I think it's just human nature that we tend to sort of, like, fend for ourselves. And, um, you know, you never know where somebody comes from or, like, what they're, background story is so you can't judge anybody um but i just at least speaking for myself because i've um had a pretty privileged upbringing like not that my family are rich by any means but it's just i've never grown up sort of needing you know anything or like starving or anything like that and i have like really supportive parents um who worked their asses off so that i could you know see like study whatever i want in college and things like this and so um it's also made me, you know, sort of really think about this idea of like giving back and also just because I I literally went through my own personal bear market before this bull run, right? right? And so I know what it's like to um, lack things or not have access to things or not being in an even playing field. And I um, feel like uh, part of the reason why I, you know, sort of came out with a bang and just like donated all of my first like auction. And then also like with even with the fortune thing, I, I sat and I was like, look, if you guys want to do an NFT drop with me, 
um, we have to donate like 50%. And then they were just like, all right, that's fine. Um, and so it's just like, I, you know, half the time, like, I don't know what I'm doing either, but it's just like sort of just trying to be true to myself yeah. and like values that I stick up for. And hopefully, and I don't, at the end of the day, I don't even think it's about the monetary value that I'm donating, but it's more about the message and the statement that I'm sending out to others, which is inspiring other people to think also more in a way of sharing their wealth um, instead of just like... This is it, right? Because, you know, at the rate that crypto is going, this is like we're creating that gap in inequality to like the max, you know, like anybody who's not hopping on the crypto train right now is um, getting left behind, right? It's getting left behind, but like literally at a tenfold. And so, um, you know, that really made me think like, is this actually better for humanity? And right. is, you know, is two legs good and four legs bad or <laughs> is four legs good and two legs bad? Like, and you, what can I do as right. an individual? And luckily I now have some small kind of like platform or voice. Um, and if, you know, even two people are inspired by like what I do to, you know, also take on a similar position where, you know, they can feed themselves but also help other people. It doesn't mm. even have to be a big charity or, you know, it could be like your family members. If you have like a family member who's like, you know, not doing as well as you, um, maybe you can share that, you know? So that's really just kind of like the message that I'm trying to send at the end, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's super important. I mean, it's like you said, sometimes you don't know, uh, sometimes you don't know, you know, someone else's situation, right? Uh, so you, it is hard to judge. But one thing that I have noticed, which I'm, I want to say upset about, I think it's quite upsetting, is the original ideology that came with the cryptocurrency sort of movement mm -hmm. was to displace these sort of power structures and redistribute to mm -hmm. an extent. That's what it was. And as people just became obscenely rich, you know, their problems became non-existent and almost yeah. unrelated to who they are as a person. And then it just kind of it becomes very easy, I assume, to just forget about that. Um, so that's something I'm really... Uh, I don't want to say bullish on, I think it's very important for the next year mm -hmm. is giving people in crypto an outlet to, to to do something like this, right? To give back, not necessarily to a cause, but to just reinvest it into a socially useful project. Sure, yeah. Because especially, you know, like there's only so much money that people can spend, really. Yeah. Like, so I want, yeah, I want to kick off conversations that get people thinking about like, well, what can what more can I do with this that will make my life meaningful, right? Other than just like material goods or partying, yeah, or having a really nice house. I mean, there's there's that. I mean, you you've done the work, you've made the right choices, so you deserve that. But like you say, at a certain point, what is more important, you know? And yeah, and starting conversations like this is super important. I've I've got a few ideas personally. I know I've spoke to a lot of really great people uh, at the conferences here about this, but it does seem like something that's kind of a little bit lacking in mm -hmm. terms of also, it's a pressure thing, right? Mm -hmm. If you have all these opportunities out there that other people are actively engaging in, like mm -hmm. you're one of the more sort of notable examples of people giving back. But, you know, if there's all these opportunities and everyone's using them and you're not doing it, then you're going to feel a bit bad. But mm -hmm. when the opportunities aren't really there, it's a bit easier to just kind of take a, take a step back and think, you know, oh, no one else is doing it, so it's okay if I don't. Right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the group pressure thing, I think that's quite important. Mm -hmm. um, so let's take a step back. What, apart from the financial incentives, which are, of course, great and necessary to bring a lot of people into the space, especially the corporate world, uh, what is it that makes people stay in crypto once the financial incentives have stopped becoming so important? Well, I mean, 
like again I can't speak for other people but just even for myself um I've moved a lot uh, ever since I was young and I've lived in a lot of different cities and actually continents even and experienced a lot of different types of lifestyles you know I went to university in LA where I experienced truly like you know an environment where everybody cares about looks and you know things that you're you have to basically be born with <laughs> um and then I moved to places like New York where it's a lot more about you know personal meritocracy or you know th things that you're not necessarily born with but how much money do you make per year things like this um and uh, I, I've actually never, ever been in a community that is as inclusive as um, the crypto one. I was having this conversation with somebody um, the other day because, like, you know, I think growing up, like I've always seen myself as kind of a chameleon and I really sort of like shapeshift myself to sort of like blend in with whatever environment. So it's true that when I was in L.A., I really cared about how I looked. You know, I wanted to get tan and all my friends also had to be hot and, you know, like all the silly things. Um, and when I was in New York, I was like, all right, I got to get my shit together. And like, I need to make a lot of money now. Bank, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but I think like truly, but you know, obviously also as an Asian person, like I, I did feel, you know, sort of, it's not, it's not necessarily racism, but more like microaggression or something or just like less accepted, you know, even like, for example, places like LA, um, I definitely think, you know, at least the, but there's different because there's also like you know, very, very, like, Asian communities in mm -hmm. L.A. as well, but I just didn't happen to be part of those for whatever reason. And so um, there, there are definitely times where I feel um, left out or, you know, because of my race or culture or whatever. Um, but with crypto, you know, obviously, like, a community where literally people don't even care what you look like. You can literally be, like, you know, a blob, like, or, Literally. like, a pink couch or on the surfer, internet or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> so, like... Um, yeah, and, 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 but it's like, I've only experienced that online before, but then obviously, you know, since post-COVID, well, we're not really post-COVID, but, you know, Sorry. half, 0 0.5 post-COVID, yeah. and then coming out to these, like, crypto gatherings and stuff, um, they really stay true to, like, sort of that online, um, ethos where, like, when I'm in these events, like, I don't think, like, I don't even notice, like, I'm not, like, racially profiling anybody or you know i don't notice anybody by their race like it's all about like or or gender or even you know it's all about just like what do you do in crypto you know and so yeah i've just i have never met a community that's as inclusive as the crypto one and i feel like a lot of people stay for that reason yeah because they like, come and they feel welcome you right? could be ugly yeah right but nobody cares literally like that's that's a real equalizer because you know the world we live in especially in somewhere like la as you say you know, I'm living in London, somewhat that to an extent. You know, the pretty privilege is a real thing. Yeah, um, are you cool? Like, Yeah, are you, you, know, are you cool? Are, you know, even, are you a white guy? These yeah. sort of things that have for a long time. Are you tall? Right. Like, And yeah. I mean, that does, there is some of that to an extent still, like obviously pretty privilege is, it does exist, but it's such an equalizer. Mm -hmm. right? Crypto is such an equalizer. You go to these Lisbon events and everybody is just themselves. Yeah. Right? And it's so great to see. Mm-hmm. I went to a uh, uh, an event in London a couple of weeks ago for mm -hmm. Token 2049, which is uh, just a crypto event. And it was very much more traditional finance meets DeFi. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we went to a, a, a kind of meeting at the top of the Gherkin in London, which is a, quite a fancy building, the very top bar, and everyone was in suits. Uh, and I turned up and I was like, not <laughs> in a suit. I was dressed in like just my regular DGen clothing. <laughs> and everyone I was speaking to, they were offering me their emails and you know their LinkedIn's and not the telegrams or anything like this. 
And it just made me realize like, not just in terms of like their understanding of crypto, but their understanding of the culture. Yeah. It, they're actually really far behind. You know, I think what we're doing in crypto is really quite forward thinking, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So liberal sort of agendas in general have been mostly concentrated in young people and universities and whatnot. Sure. And it just, it's, I think it's a manifestation of that, right? Yeah, totally. And I mean, okay, you know, I think humanity will always be humanity. It's like, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. Like, you know, it's not like people in crypto are like angels and no. stuff. But so like you said, the pretty privilege is still a thing, but I guess it's better to put it this way, which is that, you know, even if you're, you know, by society, like judgments, like fat or ugly or awkward or, you know, in the traditional sense, uncool, it is not a, a deducting factor in crypto. But obviously being attractive, I think, could be a plus. Sure. But being anything else um, doesn't make you less um, valuable to the community. Yeah. And the thing that I enjoy the most is seeing people who are potentially traditionally uncool or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, finding themselves, finding some purpose and meaning and community and then becoming cool, right? Because sure. coolness yeah. isn't necessarily physical. It's, yep. it's mm -hmm. what you do. It's more ideological now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's great. Like I've met some people who you wouldn't expect to be the coolest guys in the room yeah. traditionally. You know, look at Vitalik, right? He's an awesome <laughs> guy and everyone absolutely idolizes him, but yeah. traditionally not the coolest looking guy, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the best parts of it because we live in a, we live in an indoor society right now, right? We Everyone, do. Everyone's super indoors. So it gives people the chance to sort of express themselves and be a yep. bit more outward. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I'm super bullish on. Maybe oh. not humanity. Yeah. <laughs> but like expression in humanity would be good. Okay. So you are kind of part of, uh, so DAOs, right? Uh -huh. Decentralized Autonomous Organization, for those that don't know. Uh, it's essentially what is penned out to be the future of organizational culture corporate organizational culture also mm -hmm. you what experience do you have with DAOs? um well yeah i mean mostly i have been like involved with the one that is named after me right. called pleaser DAO. <laughs> so i was gonna ask are you part of it or is it about you you're named after you <laughs> um it is obviously named after me um because the genesis was that they formed to purchase my first um auction which is the unisop video right x times y equals k exactly and then so um ever since then obviously they have been um doing really cool things and i so after the initial purchase um i was onboarded as an honorary member and so i um, you know, I think I, I found it fascinating, like, um, what they're doing and obviously, you know, people in it are also like very forward thinking. So just being around these people, um, makes me more inspired. And I'm also just curious to see where it goes, mm -hmm. right? Because it's such a new territory that, um, people are operating off of. And so, yeah, I mean, there's obviously still so much to learn. There's no, you know, official handbook on how to run a DAO. Yeah, I think that's what we're all trying to figure out, right? Because <laughs> it is so early. Uh, yeah, and there's it's almost like a naive space at the moment to an extent for sure full of dreams and and ideas and passion mm -hmm. but like you know legal integration for example like that's a huge thing that's got to come and how do we deal with that whilst maintaining our own culture yeah yeah it's a tough one um what is like the future of DAOs in the next five years do you think well hopefully if things are, are done right um I think, yeah, we'll slowly see more and more of these like sort of like freelance individuals not belonging to any sort of company, but they could be contributing their skill set towards like, let's say, multiple DAOs. Mm -hmm. um, and like each DAO, I would imagine it to just be sort of like a, a clan or, you know, like a, 
almost like a members club or, or just like a you know like a community where you find purpose and meaning right like if you want to be part of chili dow which is literally i tweeted about it as a joke but i am serious about starting something like this in the near future because i am actually just obsessed with like hot sauce and like red chili flakes yeah i mean hot pot dow is being created <laughs> right now so hot pot dow chili dow can join forces <laughs> uh, yes absolutely and so yeah i mean it's just you know like stuff like that and um but at the same time you know i hope that uh like also i don't know it's almost like i feel like with the direction that pleaser dow is going in i could actually see it almost like in the near future becoming a political issue (laughs) um because of the sort of necessary power maybe that they have yeah mm -hmm. Yeah. and that makes me a little bit like excited and concerned (laughs) at the same time um you know i obviously try to remain like optimistic as well but you know, and then there's always, like, the, you know, that, par- like, paradox of, like, okay, they're named after me. Um, so, at, at, some, at some point, I still feel somewhat responsible for, you know, what, like, kind of decisions or, you know, direction they're headed in. Yeah, I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a love-hate relationship, <laughs> yeah, really. Sure. And then you also have the people who, like, you obviously know they came in and they're just trying to sort of, like, take advantage of the clout from the Dow, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know i don't know i i think i'm somebody who has like the correctness gene in me where it's like i i like people who you know get their merit off of like thing of their own merit or you know work for their own like i don't like people who try to take credit for work that other people have done and you know if like you're like a late like joiner to please their Dow, and then you haven't like really like achieved anything like yourself like and you know it's like it's very obvious like what you're coming in for you know it's like clout and but it's like look like the name pleaser and things like this it's like these are things that i worked hard to build up for it's like it's not really yours don't come in here with your vc energy and try and take it i mean that's something i've noticed a lot at these conferences is obviously money's in the space Mm -hmm. people get money and sensible thing to do with that money is to reinvest it so people just become their own vc which is technically incorrect but that's that's what we get told uh and yeah that's that's like where i don't really care for that sort of thing mm-hmm. personally i don't when i talk to people about projects i don't really care so much about the money it's more about what else you can bring mm-hmm. to it and what kind of culture you can bring to kind of keep it going yeah um <laughs> you gave a talk at lizcon titled i think it was uh basically it was about going viral right mm-hmm. what was the title again building virality in web3 building virality in web3 okay so you mentioned two key things can you Quickly tell us what those are. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that usually what things makes things go viral is either there's a meme factor or there's a cool factor. So that's pretty straightforward. It's like, if I think this is cool, then I'll send it to my friends. If I think this is really meme I'll send it to my friends. And then so then I go dive a little bit deeper into, you know, sort of like what makes up a meme. Um, that several elements like, you know, usually they're funny, relatable, um, exaggerated, mm-hmm. a- absurd. And then the last part which is serendipity um which i feel like is very very hard to artificially recreate um because you know you can also kind of like study things why they're funny and you know you can definitely exaggerate things um but yeah that last element of luck and randomness is decided by the mass number of people which you actually just cannot um predict yeah i mean so good example is when we actually had our first conversation back in may it was just after the Shiba Inu saga yeah. when they sent 
their liquidity tokens to Vitalik right. as like a burn address. Sure. And then he market sold them all and gave the money to charity. Yeah. And it just caused a huge scene. Well, it's just really interesting because that was about around that time when it crashed from that sale. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought this crazy dog token, which has no real value or no real utility, has crashed like we expected. Well, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the markets recently, but Shiba Inu is now number 12 yeah. in the market caps. And it's got like a $20 billion market cap like yeah. right next to Doge. Um, and it's what you say is, you know, the virality. What is it about Shiba Inu that people love? Like the utility is <laughs> not that big. Yeah. But I hear all kinds of people talking about it mm-hmm. you know, from all walks of life. People always asking me, Josh, should I get involved in Shiba? Yeah. And I've said no for so long. And now they hate me. Yeah, <laughs> because, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. They're like, why didn't you tell me to buy it? And I thought, well, I thought I was being smart. <laughs> so maybe that's the serendipity part also, right? Yeah. And I, I feel like that's sort of what makes this space so fascinating as well. And I think that anybody who's creating any kind of project really is their ultimate goal is to um, gain traction or make things go viral. And so studying that is, you know, I think something that people don't talk about enough. Um, maybe one day there will be a science to it. But right now, it certainly seems random. And so the study of virality, but like online, <laughs> online <laughs> yeah. virality, right? Super interesting. I mean, so I kind of wanted to end on this because uh, the word you use, serendipity, I really like that word. Um, luck, randomness, you know, mm-hmm. fortune, whatever you want to say. Uh, but I personally think that we make our own luck, mm-hmm. right? Um, and especially in the crypto space, because it is uncharted territory. And yeah. we don't really know what works and what doesn't it's all about just putting something out there sure getting involved taking a bit of a plunge and putting yourself in a situation mm-hmm. yeah so what kind of advice would you offer to someone who isn't yet in the crypto space nft or otherwise uh, and is kind of looking to try and start their journey um i think you know a lot some probably something that a lot of successful entrepreneurs have in common is that they're all very curious and their taste for risk is high. And so I think that that's probably one of the best advice that I could give coming, like for people coming into the space is that you need to be um, just like high risk um, and like, just like not be afraid, I guess. It's the same thing as holding your bags and seeing it plunge 80% and just Mm -hmm. being like, I feel nothing. That's what gives people power in the space. Um, And so... Yeah, and then obviously, you know, this is uncharted territory. Like, but by the time that it is sort of um, agreed upon by society that it's valuable, it is also probably a little bit too late to come in and make a, a change. Yeah, you make know, something actually I mean, powerful. it'll be it, it'll be possible, but it'll be a hundred times harder. And look, I'm not the most talented artist in the world, but I got in at the right time at the right place. And so anybody else who saw that can clearly see that. Um, it can happen to them too. Yeah, this is what I say to my friend. He's an um, uh, aspiring DJ. And I say to him, you know, look a year ahead. Try not to be successful in what success looks like now. Mm-hmm. Be successful in what success might look like in a year. Mm-hmm. Because then you'll be positioned for that. Yeah. And that's exactly what you've done, right? You came in, took over the digital NFT space, the digital art space. And like, really, you have. It's really, really awesome. Uh, and super excited to see how how you continue to progress like in the space of five months you've gone from being well-known awesome through your drop your uniswap drop to fucking writing uh signing your name on fortune 500 magazines and handing them out on the street like this is <laughs> super awesome progress thank you and i'm just gonna quickly show the camera your <laughs> your branding now it's not on. my branding it's just i actually just had these pleaser dow stickers randomly in my purse um 
and also because they always fall out so i was just i just want to like get rid of them really <laughs> oh <laughs> no, i thought, I thought I mean, this was special i'm joking it is special it is special i have a very limited number of them <laughs> definitely less than your npc stickers <laughs> yeah gonna, i'll show those to the camera too uh so for those that might not know npc non-player character is a meme um in crypto at the moment for the bystanders the people that <laughs> the people that sit and watch and, i have uh, one now yeah. and it's on my phone that's ironic so it's good yeah can you see and uh, the lesson, I think, to end this is try not to be an NPC. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. <laughs>